we go. So stretchy. <clears throat> We're recording. So stretchy. It's Monday, June 28th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. How's it going, fellas? Yo, yo, yo. It's going good. Had a pretty long night uh, as my sinuses were trying to kill me and attack me. In fact, one time, Lindsay woke up and says, are they attacking you? And uh, the answer was, <laughs> they, they absolutely were attacking me. I literally like, sprung out of bed. Stop. It was I was I like couldn't breathe and I was just desperately trying oh. to get some relief. So it was it was rough. It was a long night and my Velcro pug would not stop being Velcroed <laughs> to me. Velcro so, pug. Yeah. So I was hot and I couldn't breathe. Uh, uh, but we made it. Awful. We're here now. It's all good. Wow, your pug is the cutest. Cool. I what about you, Tyler? Pretty well last night. I think I woke up once for like thirty minutes. Just a nice. Tiny bit of anxiety. Busy week. Nervous Thanks. about the show. The show is definitely TPP. Yeah, it was it. Monday morning activities were actually part of that, but TPP was not actually on the list. Awesome. Okay. How about well, you, let's... Aaron? How was oh, your? I slept like a rock. I... I was over at my parents last night with my family having dinner, and as soon as I ate, uh, as soon as I was done, I was like, I got to lay on the couch because I'm about to fall asleep in my chair because <laughs> I got up at 5 a.m. yesterday and ran 13.64 miles. And, I saw that um, self abuse. There's helplines for that. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this ultra marathon being over so I can stop doing that. Yeah, no, but I slept great. It was really difficult to get out of bed this morning. Okay, here we go. Uh, this is another fun one today in tech history or yesterday. Today's yesterday in today's tech history, if I can get that right. So this is actually June 26th. And again, I love playing this game with y'all. I don't know why I get so much joy out of this, but you have to guess the year. A universal product code, UPC. Y'all know what those oh, are? Wow. The, yeah. the, the black and white bars? Barcodes. Yeah, barcodes. UPC is used to ring up a purchase for the very first time at a Marsh supermarket in Troy, Ohio. I actually knew this bit. The first item scanned was a 10-pack of Juicy Fruit gum. <laughs> I did not know that. I knew that. Troy, Troy Ohio. How did you know that? I don't know. I think this is going to sound super dumb, but my very first job was as a uh, as a cashier at a grocery store. Well, actually, I had to work my way up to cashier, and cashiers talk about crazy stuff. And apparently, we were talking about what UPCs are, and the trivia of what was the very first thing rung up came up at one point. A pack of juicy fruit gum. All so right. when was it? How old is this? How old is this technology? I don't know, like late 60s, early 70s, maybe. Okay. I feel like that what could be rest? really late to the 80s. I'm going to have, I'm gonna have to go against my 80s here. because Oh, no, don't do it. it. I have to do it. And so I'm going to have to say <laughs> 1982. <laughs> 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 All right. What do we have in the chat? Kieran says 1953. Uh, Tyler, you were the closest. 1974. Says, oh, well. Yes. Zooks in 1968. Oh, it came across right as I moved away. From he him. was yep. he was so Ooh, close. See, I had a range. Zook, Zook probably gets the points because yeah, he I'm thinking something specific. I was thinking late 60s, early 70s. Like I said, I was trying to figure out like when when would the lasers they use in the scanners have been something you'd want to put in a handheld device, and that was as close as my brain mm. would let me get. I'm pretty sure as soon as they invented lasers, they put them in a handheld device because that's just cool. Well, I'm sure they wanted to. If you, as soon as you have lasers, you want to be having them shoot. As soon as they hands. had supercomputers, they wanted them in your pocket too. Boom. 
Okay, here Crushing we go. death. So this one's truly yesterday's today in tech history. Uh, June oh. 27th, guess the year. The iconic video game company Atari was founded. Their first video oh, game, geez. obviously, Pong. What year? Hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with the date that I know really well. <laughs> or year 1977. Wow, that's think? really. What do you think, Tyler? Really, that well, I think that was close to what I, I'm gonna go with 1974. 72. Dang it! Oh. <sighs> yeah, but in 77. Russ, though, in 77, Atari's video computer system, known as the VCS and later the Atari 2600, popularized the home video game markets. So that's when it hit home uh, video games. So before the video game crash of 1983, there was a video game crash. Of <laughs> Wait, what? what? Dude, Atari what? was the fastest growing company that? in the history of the U.S. Oh, my God. You, Wait, what? No, this is crazy, too. Oh, it's I a did, big I deal. It was a really big deal. This. In this one sentence, I just learned two major things. There was a video game <laughs> crash in 1983. Yeah. And right before that, Atari was the fastest growing company in the history of the U.S. Yeah. Wow. That's that's not nothing. The fastest Dude. growing in the history of the U.S. Not like the fastest growing that year. Yeah, that's, that's nuts. You had you had a market that was growing unbelievably fast, and you had sort of the invention of the ability to to sort of create games for these home consoles, and people started putting out the just crappiest, most piece of crap games in the world, and it it ended up just you know all these people bought them or whatever else, and, and they were awful, and it just ended up crashing the entire industry. There was like this mix of of arcade crashing that happened as well as the home console market that sort of had a problem. So yeah, there's. That's wow. a lot of stuff there. I mean, the, the world almost ended um, as far as I remember. That's crazy. Well, <laughs> yeah. in honor of, uh, of this date from yesterday, you should probably play a video game today. It's really oh, what I it will. comes down to. I will. From, uh, from 8 to 12, I'll be on Counter-Strike. So <laughs> nice. good luck to all of you who were there. Nice. Uh, it, won't, it won't go well for you. Um, all right, cool. There, there's actually another bit from mm? today okay. in history. Yeah. It is today in something history on June twenty eighth. I'm gonna it's I'm gonna say it's related in some respect to uh, to Tyler's old industry. I, I may be getting this really wrong, but the first test of something took place on June twenty eighth. Uh, I don't even know what the a jet engine first test of a jet engine. There's just a lot of dates here, so I just want to see if you can. Uh, Big explosion took place on June 28th. Let's just say that. Rocket. Nuclear. What are you talking about? You're losing. They me. were testing today these. in nuclear test history, June 28th, oh. and there are a whole bunch of June 28th tests. Oh, uh, the first one didn't take place, but like they have. Oh, okay. This have, wasn't like uh, the first time they did like a, a deep sea explosion, was it? Well, it's, those, the, maybe because they they had a couple of them that looks like they were the underground. Ocean. They had a couple of them that were the first that were two in one day. There's one of them was first and three in one day. So they were getting really, <laughs> what a really big. Yeah, <laughs> I um, gotta be the first but, yeah. <laughs> to really I'll, nuke the hell out of I'll this. Probably desert. be home this evening, but we're gonna test three nuclear explosions <laughs> today. <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty crazy the oh amount gosh. of things that happened on June 28th between the year 1958 <laughs> and 1979. Basically, That's nice. That's sort of the range that they're giving that they tested like. 
I don't know, probably 12 different nukes in that time frame on June 28th. I, I thought maybe it was one of the really momentous ones where they tested it in the, you know, like the Pacific Ocean or something for the first time because there was a, a pretty vocal scientific, you know, arm of the scientific community that was just like, do not do that. There is there is a less than remote chance that this could just create a chain reaction and all the hydrogen in the oceans in the world could be part of a bomb. What? And then... Yeah. Then the then the actually right scientists were like, no, <laughs> dude. Did you see what Darren just dropped in the chat? No? Uh, I don't, but I should make sure that I said that Kieran was one who dropped that tidbit in the chat mm-hmm. about the nuclear test history. But what did uh, what did we get? Okay, yeah. <laughs> holy crap! <laughs> He's saying the U.S. has officially conducted one thousand fifty-four nuclear tests. Holy stuff! That's a lot. We nuked some stuff. Many of them at the Nevada National Security Site and others at Bikini Atoll, Enwetak Atoll, Christmas Island, and other Pacific Ocean <laughs> locations. Wow. We don't even need to test ocean. these things. Aren't we the only people who's ever actually used one of these things in a in time of war? war? Yeah. yeah. On, on a city. That's insane. Twice. Two cities. <laughs> to be fair, yeah. we would have only done it once, but they said that 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 it was fake the first time. Yeah, yeah. We probably. would have had to make a point. If they, <laughs> All right. if they wouldn't have said it was fake, we wouldn't have done it the second time. And yeah, and Twitch also crashed for everyone. So welcome back, those of y'all that reloaded it. Breaking news. All right. Um, let's get through the rest of this stuff so we can get to modern day stuff. Uh, also, fun fact. Do you remember when Mike Tyson, this is not technology related, but uh, Mike Tyson bit off he was uh, a video Evander games. Holyfield's. Yeah, he was. That's what I was going to try to do the reach and tie it back to Mike Tyson's <laughs> yeah. punch out. Um, that was in 1997. I was going to say it was in the 90s. Wow. I was going to say 95, but yeah. Also today, June 28th, workers assembled the very first Corvette in Flint, Michigan, 1953. Oh, June 28th is a big day. There's a lot of news, Turns which I haven't even gotten to. And there's a whole lot of history. <laughs> yeah. of June That's 28th. Right. Okay, let's get to modern history. What do you want to talk about, Russ? Uh, I, dude, I don't, I don't even really know where to talk start. About, we were talking about Binance. Binance. Uh, yeah, top. do that because I, I didn't have that one pulled up, but uh, I was interested in learning what the yeah. What the so was. the UK's financial watchdog has ordered Binance to stop all regulated activities. FCA yeah. issues consumer regulated alert against activities. sprawling That's cryptocurrency group. I think this got a little blown out of proportion, but honestly, I was focused on different stuff, uh, so I didn't read into it that much. But I did see some commentary that basically said there are. That that regulated word is pretty operative in what they're they're yeah. being forced to stop. Like, um, I think it could be related to futures activities, specifically on Binance. Uh, it's not like Binance got shut down as an exchange or, or a place where you do crypto. Or at least this is again, it was just commentary that I read. I haven't actually dug it's into weird. it enough to know. It's for just sure, like some but, specific minutia thing, but then the news publishes it as. Uh, the UK shuts down Binance. Yeah. Like period, but are you surprised at all that it's <laughs> no. an ultra clickbaity article related to <laughs> cryptocurrency? Like, oh, yeah. wow, I'm surprised. No. I follow um, up question was going to be if uh, crypto is highly regulated, but apparently um, it's not. And this is for, they were just doing other stuff, no. is what I'm hearing. No. Uh, okay, so so I am reading an article kind of in real time too. So this this could be a problem for them for a little while because it basically says Binance Markets Limited, so Binance EU effectively, is not approved under the FCA's cryptocurrency registration regime, 
which is required for UK, UK groups offering digital asset services. So they may actually be, I would assume, temporarily shut down or shut down. Does this mean crypto's on sale again? I think so. Mm, apparently Ooh. not. Let me like, check I, think I actually think it's up because I saw a headline on Saturday or something. Because, um, which, oh no, why? Ah, blanking. Anyways, the, the country that said we're going to use Bitcoin and Bitcoin only, by the way, as legal tender. Um, they are expected to buy what? like $138 million of Bitcoin. No, sorry. When I say no, Bitcoin only, I mean crypto. Uh, right. The only crypto. The only crypto. Okay. Use. So you're talking uh, about El they, Salvador. They still have their own. Yeah, El Salvador. That's it. Um, but, but they, well, they came back. Their own is the US dollar, by the way. Oh, yeah. That doesn't surprise yeah. me. I they didn't use, know that, though. Yeah, they use Bitcoin and the US dollar. So, so, but they came out and said specifically, like Bitcoin is the only crypto asset, and the way they said it was very like future looking. Ever, uh, I'll believe that when I see it. But that will be allowed to be legal tender and is considered a currency in the nation. I'm comfortable but, with that because everything correlates to it. So just let it go. For up. now, it's stupid stuff like that that makes it happen. Well, I you know I don't know what's going to make it not happen. So until we have a, a path for that, I'm comfortable with these things. This, I mean, it does. All the different headlines, though, do seem pretty severe. FCA blacklists Binance over anti-money laundering failings. Uh, Finance regulator bans Binance from operating in the UK. Crypto giant Binance ordered to cease activity in the US. In the UK, sorry. Cease activity. Um, It looks like they're not actually a regulated entity for crypto exchange. So that that would be a pretty hard shutdown. But it's not world's uh, largest cryptocurrency exchange. Binance has been banned in the UK. They are the largest. Yeah, ouch. Yeah. I've also found out in uh, in reading a couple of things about that, that uh, Binance US is actually just, uh, it, it's almost like a, a franchise is the wrong word, but the, it's, it is not the same company. It is, it oh, is really? they, they basically licensed their name. They sold their name for use. And so Binance US and Binance EU and stuff like that are, are different, uh, different huh. entities entirely. But that was the claim anyways. It's not like I went and found yeah evidence to support that it just it was curious yeah. and it was because they were bitching about support and then uh, somebody pointed out that all binance support is garbage so that's kind of a, a hard there's line support to draw support for a crypto exchange this is supposed to be the wild wild west like no no not, that's like, who you call expect... whenever you lose a lot of money and right. they fix it for you you're supposed to they... expect trains to get robbed you're supposed to expect for people <laughs> to get murdered you're supposed to expect yeah for you to die of thirst in the desert because you put all of your savings into Binance and then it is gone. Just so we're so going to all your that, savings. Right? Yeah, everybody. A triple mortgage. Yeah. Would you say your house to buy more sure that we, we're, we're clear that that's what all of us did. We all did that. Yes. Correct. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. We all put Tyler, way too Tyler much went a step crypto. further with triple mortgages, which doesn't yeah. surprise me at all. Dude loves leverage. And he's Love it. it. If Love crypto it. ever takes off for real, for real. Yeah. <laughs> I, won't, I won't even finish that sentence <laughs> you might never hear from the three of us again <laughs> okay well, let's move on to something else every now and then. Uh, I, I, gotta, I need an opinion from uh, I want it from the chat and I want it from the crew here let's go how do we feel about accounts to log into operating systems I hate it wait what okay. I hate it say again really? accounts to log uh, into operating ha- systems oh no boo I hate it I we hate it, boo. dude. Uh, the last see. PC oh. I set up, this one right or here that you no. can't see, that's all blurry. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Hate it. All right. Windows 10 made me do all this like ridiculous stuff, and I was just trying to remember the good old yeah, days so of XP. Online accounts. 
I don't, anything yeah. anything uh, new. You don't have to have an account to sign into Windows 10. I know, but it wanted to make you do all this junk. And I'm like, I just felt like an old man yelling at the cloud. <laughs> like, uh, just load well, the OS and open up and then have it be no user. And if I want to add a user, if I want to add whatever, then great. Let's do it. Windows 10, or I'm sorry, 11, apparently is going to require both internet access and a Microsoft oh, account no. in order to set up the PC. Come to Why? Nick, Why? my friends. Come to me. It's there, I mean, somebody's going to circumvent it anyways, because they always do. Which means, once again, it will be better to have a pirated version of something than the real one, because they've put enough version. barriers in to make it suck that I'll consider it. I'll probably it still buy out. the license for Windows, but I will happily use a pirated copy, just if it's less shitty to use. Uh, Kieran says Windows 10 now forces you, um, and they don't let you add a local user, so that's uh, that's yeah. new. I mean, I, I wouldn't know, because I have... That was I the mean, experience I, I had login. when I set this one up just like three, four months ago. So this article is explicitly... So about a guy who, he reviews PC hardware, so he you know <laughs> installs Windows and wipes it all the time. It's constant for him. And he says, according to Microsoft, Windows 11 will take a substantial step backwards relative to Windows 10. Specifically, Windows 11 Home will now require both internet access and a Microsoft account in order to set up the PC. I wonder if Windows 11 Pro won't, because I have Pro on all my machines that have Windows on them. It just says mm. Home specifically. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it's he, he, this is coming from the perspective of someone. He's like, I don't want to make a burner account to have to log into all these systems that I test because he just you know, does it every week. So it's just uh, an interesting thing here. But I wanted to kind of correlate this to, I, I'm i not sure. I mean, I had to make an account for my iPad. So I'm assuming that for iPhones, you have to have some form of an account. But I don't know if that's the case. Buley, you would, do you have an account for your iPhone that you have to log into? Sorry, I took my headset off for a second to turn on my fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No You're worries. asking about what? Um, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if iPhones require an account. To yeah, you have to create an, yes. So in the beginning, Androids they did not. Do. Yeah, Android in the beginning, they did not. Then you had to have an iCloud account. And then, so there's more to that. But yeah, you do. Uh, someone said, nope, you can bypass it during uh, login. Zook did on iPhone, iPad. Go for iPhones. You can, you can, you can bypass it, but to be able to use the phone effectively, not have it. Right. I mean, you can technically time. bypass it on Android as well. You don't yes. have to log in, but yeah. you won't have, I mean, the phone will be useless. To effectively use it, you you have to log in with your iCloud account. So I guess and the, then if you if you want to reset the phone, have somebody else use it or whatever, you actually have to log out of your iCloud account on it. Otherwise, no one else can. I mean, you can't set it up as a new user. You can't do anything. Right. You have to you have to log out. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me that I. It sounds to me like there's an option to bypass it on an iPhone or an Android device. Yeah, well, I know there is. Trust device. trust Dan. Yeah, I've done it more about it yeah. than I do. It's it's interesting. It's Windows. 11, so Kieran says, is Windows 11 forcing you to have an online account to tailor ads to keep it free? I I don't know that that's the case. They've even removed a lot of the the little areas where they had ads popping up, like live tiles and stuff moving away. But one thing that they are very much so focusing a significant amount on in Windows 11 is uh, the Windows Store. So if you think about the thing that really like makes an, an iOS device or um, a Google device very useful, it's logging into an account that gives you access to all of the apps we use. Mm -hmm. That is something that 
Microsoft is trying to do here is make it to where the Windows Store is dramatically more prominent, which I'd imagine. Yeah. Now, look, they should give the option. I'd be interested to see yeah, how many people go, go they're, against they're, it. It's cart but before I, horse. If, if it, I have lots of apps and the easiest way to get them is to have an account, I'll have an account. But if you force me to have an account because you want me to have lots of apps, then meh. The thing that bothers me is that it requires internet access in order to set up the PC. Mm -hmm. um, I do imagine they'll allow you to activate it later. That's just a guess. I don't actually know. But uh, I, I, that's that's a little annoying, I think. Uh, to, no, to it's totally secure. Don't worry about it. It'll have it, Wi-Fi access and, and all of the, you know, the baseline firmware and uh, that sort of stuff will be, I'm gonna be completely open to the internet <laughs> before you have any opportunity to update it. I'm going to be completely honest. Everybody. First of all, you actually can, when you have internet access, it updates before um, you That's get good. the system. Uh, but I will say, candidly, I'm not actually concerned about any form of security in any way, shape, or form related to this. It's Ever. Not, I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely not. I, I don't no, I thought you meant, worried about it. I thought you meant in general. No, I, no, just in, in this particular case, I'm not worried about the security of or whatever else. People give Microsoft a lot of crap about security, and ironically, they're quite good at it just because they're they've got a significant amount of experience of dealing with bad crap but uh, i don't know i just think it's interesting that i for a pc the standard is very different i've never heard anyone complain about logging into an account on a phone but this will be a problem for a pc so i just think it's interesting i don't care got I mean, it i'll, I'll log into my same account that i'm logged into on my current on this windows 10 pc here and i'll just roll with it yeah but i, I, was I figured it was going to be a problem it's for fair a lot of people. You're fair. That's right. And I didn't even see that's where you're going to go with that when you asked me and you compared it to the phone and requirements there. Even still, I just, it bothered me. I mean, use, use um, Linux. It's free. No accounts yeah. required. Apparently, I think uh, maybe Zook said that Fedora may ask for it. I don't actually use Fedora, so I, I don't know. A college professor of mine used Fedora. was a big fan. So speaking so. of Windows 11, it looks like they're targeting an October release date. Speaking of Microsoft, there's some big news. Yes. Microsoft admits it signed a malicious driver called NetFilter targeting gaming that. environments. The rootkit malware was observed communicating with Chinese IPs. Burn. Y'all see that? Uh, I did. Yeah. That's uh, says the mishap seems to have resulted from the threat actor following Microsoft's process to submit the malicious NetFilter drivers and managing to acquire the Microsoft signed binary in a legitimate manner. At least they went through the process. You know? <laughs> right. Mo most of the bad actors don't go through the process. So uh, good for them. They submitted that. drivers for certification through the Windows hardware compatibility program. I wonder why Twitch Oof. keeps crashing. Is it crashing again? Yeah, they said it's... I, I mean, I, I can still see the chat. I, so I don't yeah. have the, yeah, the, I don't have the um, video, but the stream, the video stream keeps, keeps crashing. Hmm. Sorry about that. Eight crashes. Nice. Ouch. Anyway, this seems uh, this seems not not good. Yeah, it's not ideal. You know what's interesting, and and I don't think this would solve that problem. But one of the things that you know Apple talks about with the um, App Store's the security basis. I think that um, I think Microsoft is going to try and push that angle with the App Store, if that's what they're calling it, Microsoft Store and uh, Windows. Which I don't know if you guys have ever tried to use. It's not what? good. The Microsoft um, the, Store? Yeah, the Microsoft Store. I don't know. The uh, Maybe it's because I'm just so used to searching for stores. the binaries or whatever else and, and, and installing that way on Windows that it bothers me. But like on Linux for freaking 15 years at least, there's been 
app stores that you use to install a lot of your apps unless you need to use the PPA for some reason. And so it's like, and then obviously phones, like Microsoft is very late to the game with the idea of actually focusing on an app store in this regard. But for some reason, I struggle to bring myself to this being like the thing to use. But I think that a lot of people, I think the thing they're going to push for a lot of people to use this is going to be around the, the security angle. But if your processes are approving in a legitimate way, bad things, it won't matter how secure your store <laughs> is, Microsoft. It's a bad look. Man, just uh-huh. shout out to uh, to malware researchers Dude, for real gosh. In, in all of this stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, just the heroes that live in the shadows that we never uh, never really see. But yeah, they uh, they uncovered this. And uh, since Windows Vista, any code that runs in kernel mode is required to be tested and signed before public release to ensure stability for the operating system. And uh, obviously, drivers without a Microsoft certification cannot be installed by default. And they submitted it, got it through, and my and this this uh, malware malware research um, team found it, and Microsoft admitted to signing it. That's incredible. That's good work. While while we're still on the uh, Windows Microsoft related stuff, there's been a lot of news about side loading apps, you know, because of the antitrust stuff and, and Apple right now, and Android lets you do it, but throws up that bad message. It's interesting. I saw a perspective from someone uh, last week that said they thought that um, Microsoft's policies on their app store was meant to embarrass Apple because they're doing, you know, they're, it's like, a, I don't know, a smaller percentage cut. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's lower than 30%. Another thing that's interesting is, is that, you know, we talked about them bringing Android apps to Windows 11. I still don't know why that's going to be a cool thing, but I'm sure yeah. I'll find a use. But nonetheless, something else they're they're allowing you to do is the way they're doing that is with Amazon's App Store. So Amazon's App Store, I guess, is either going to be a separate thing or it's going to be integrated into Windows Store. They are also allowing you to sideload Android apps into Windows 10. So if you don't want to use the um, uh, whatever it is, uh, Amazon App Store, then then you don't have to. You can sideload it, which is, I guess, uh, just another dig at the uh, non-sideloading other stuff. So two questions for you. One, yeah. are there any Android apps that you feel like you wish were on your PC? And two, do you notice how the filter ball. on Tyler's Zoom that specifically blurs any non-faces <laughs> has unblurred three of his drawn family members on his whiteboard <laughs> behind him? I do notice that. <laughs> he walked away and it unblurred. <laughs> That's awesome. Un- that is incredible. I was like, um, what? Zoom, that's incredible. It sees a smiley face on the whiteboard and it unblurred it. <laughs> you ask an interesting question. Um, that's funny. I don't, I can't, I'm just looking at my apps that I have installed right now. And I just can't think, I can't think of a scenario. I'll be honest. The only apps I really even open on my PC are games and, and browsers. Like I use Brave and I use Steam. I mean, like that's that's what I PowerPoint for sure. Not on my personal desktop. Oh, okay, I got you. I mean, I I almost never open anything. uh, Like if if I have to do any form of like document usage or writing or editing, I'm almost always using Google Docs. Um, So Mm -hmm. I just it's just rare that I open up an application uh, that I that isn't a game. I mean, if I'm editing this podcast, I'll use you know uh, Audacity, but the it's rare that I have anything else, even though I have a bunch of stuff here. I just, I just don't use a lot of them. So, I mean, this yeah, this yeah. PC is like very explicit to gaming. So for, for my personal desktop usage, I think it'd be, 
very, very rare that I would need anything. Maybe on my laptop. My laptop, though, um, it does have Windows on it, but I never boot into it. It's incredibly, incredibly rare. But if I did have to boot into Windows on my laptop, it actually would be for a specific type of application purpose uh, that, that I couldn't do on Linux. But that, that is just very, very rare these days. So I don't know what it is, but I, I'm almost certain I'm going to find something that I'm going to want to install, or maybe I'll install it just to see you know how it all works. Because on Chrome OS, uh, Android apps kind of suck. Um, I have used them, but uh, they're they're really rough hilarious. in the Chrome OS situation. Hmm. See if Microsoft does better. All right. Uh, did y'all see the Qualcomm news? The Snapdragon 888 Plus? I just saw that it, it's touting capabilities for AI explicitly, like improvement in computation, which is cool. Yeah, for like which photography, is awesome. I'd assume. But a 3 gigahertz clock speed proc in your mobile phone? That's awesome. What? Have we not hit that before? I don't know. I don't know. But that I, I mean that's yeah, I a good know. that that has historically been a good number for a computer, like a desktop computer, and for you to have that in your phone. I know, I know. You're like it's child's play, but still that's a good number. I haven't been sub five in ten years. All right, cool your jets. All right, <laughs> fine. We'll move off of that news because Russ is unimpressed. Uh, I am unimpressed, but is the is the AI <laughs> stuff for computational purposes? I did used to overclock my CPUs and my phones too. By the way, I don't know that I ever. I, I did that, but yeah, it just says Qualcomm Snapdragon 888 Plus will speed up gaming and AI in high end 5G phones. Will arrive in devices in the third quarter of 2021. Nice. Let's see here, it's probably still slow <laughs> compared to. Uh, Google silicon. We got any yeah. we got any stats yet there? We have some rough sort of comparisons that are like similar to like the the 870 or something like that. It's it's also not overly impressive. I think what they're at the moment banking on is some of their computational stuff as well that's very specific to the processes they want to run in Pixel phones. So uh, at the moment, I don't think anything's going to touch uh, Apple Silicon as far as performance goes in the mobile devices. Cool. It's just so far ahead. All right. What else you got? What else you want to move to? Uh, Man, I, I saw a couple that I think uh, springboard off of conversations that we've had in the past. Uh, one, one's a cool update. I think I'm going to do that in a second, though. So I, I saw a headline. It says, uh, Competition Watchdog is to probe Google and Amazon over fake reviews. So we were talking about this the other day and shutdown of uh, what was the Sun Valley or whatever the, the company was that has like the RAV power batteries and stuff like that. Um, apparently, uh, this this watchdog group is pushing for significant S, um, investigation into those uh, marketplaces. Their, their marketplaces looking to see... Basically, they're saying that Google and Amazon don't do enough to prevent fake reviews from being a problem because it's, it's basically not in their best interest to get right. rid of these, you know, fake five-star, you know, astroturfing campaigns. Um, which I think is great because I, I how much I of mean, a problem is this? I oh it's huge. I, I think it's, I think a it's really massive. big problem. Okay. Yeah. And and the problem is I think it's kind of twofold. One, um initially what brought people to purchase based on reviews, which I, I fully put myself in this bucket, right? Like if I'm looking for a product I'm basically going to look for a certain number of stars or up because it's not even worth reading through, sure. uh, you know, 20, 50 reviews to see what sorts of regular problems there are. If they have three stars, there's enough of a problem that I'm out. 
right? It could be support. It could be quality. It could be smells terrible. I don't care. Like if the rating is low enough, uh, it's gone, but, but the Facebook uh, with two stars. Yeah, sure. Hey, wait, I mean, that's the thing is like, I, I think even, even on, suck. Yeah. but like, um, you remember what happened with Robinhood, the app? Mm-hmm. It got yeah. wrecked on the Google Play Store when their policies like piss a lot of people off. I'm sorry, that's comparison. legitimate. Don't do stuff that pisses lots of people off. But instead of instead of not doing it or or taking like a a review or or what bubbles up to the top that average, taking it from a a period of time where the more recent reviews are more weighted more heavily, something like that, like where algorithmically you're just addressing the fact that over time things change. They just pruned bad reviews. So it's like, this sucks for us. Can you fix it? And Google's like, yeah, sure. Bulleted. And boom, they were back up to four or five stars, whatever it was before like the onslaught. And, um, and then of course, on the other side of that, you've got uh, organizations that are paying users to give five-star reviews or the legit, you know, hiring bot farms to AstroTurf. So it, it's, it makes, it makes the usefulness of reviews across the entire ecosystem less valuable, which is really unfortunate because it's a waste of time to not have that at your fingertips. Yeah. It, it sucks because um, reviews are such an incredibly valuable thing. In fact, I think that's one of the things that actually made Amazon take off was the yes. ability to, to provide reviews. This is sort of the original form of cancel culture too. Um, Steam, you know, invented the sort of the digital store for games back in whatever it was, 2004. And when they did, they eventually added the ability as well to do reviews. And and there would be situations where, I don't know, say, let's just say, for instance, a a game would require you to have an account in order to log into it, right? You drag on it. And so then someone on Reddit would say, let's ruin this and make sure this game studio fails. And they would have... 10,000 people go and give it the lowest possible review on every site possible. It'd be on Steam, it'd be on Metacritic, it would be on all these different sites. And there were game publishers that went out of business because of that. Because of because they they had some policy decision. Not because they made a bad game, or maybe they had a bad launch. Like maybe for the first hour of the game's release, the servers were overloaded that they didn't even have control over because they put that out to a service provider or something. And sure. so they got all these reviews and just the games just went away. I mean, it's unbelievable. I've, I've witnessed this with games that are genuinely great. I can even name one right now named battalion 1944. It is a phenomenal game that was made to really service a specific community. And on the first day of release, it had about 17,000 people online concurrently. It's a, it's a decent amount. You can have a healthy community with 17,000 people. And for the first day first one day singular day at a horrible launch like a lot of games do Mm. and because of that one bad day for launch everyone went and blasted the game those seventeen thousand people about sixteen thousand of them never returned to the game again and no one knew came to the game because it was reviewed so poorly and so they killed the game immediately and the game worked perfectly fine no less than like 20 hours later from the initial launch date you know, I, I feel bad for them because that, that sounds terrible, but it also sounds legitimately like what reviews are for. And and that if that doesn't teach you to shore up your launch quality, I don't know what will. The thing is, so that's that's an interesting statement. But if you if you were closer to the industry, you would know and I'm not. that a successful launch is actually the rare thing. 
I, I believe it, but it if, is so if your fans hate it so much, have that happen. I mean, it's so yeah. rare, and to have it fixed within a day, Battlefield, Battlefield that is impressive is the most popular Battlefield game ever. In fact, right now they just had to increase servers for it because so many people are going back to it after nice. like five years. That game didn't work for three months. Wow, three months. So, See, but, but what happened? What, why did it. the community not rally and destroy that game too? Like, what what's the difference? Because Battlefield as a franchise is just so beloved, they would never do that to them. Yeah. They, but to this small developer that people went and yeah. did like a Patreon for or a GoFundMe or whatever it was, yeah, that really sucks. Off, they had a a, a one day blip, which is actually pretty good by industry standards. Sounds and, like. And then they never made it back. Now they're they're making another game right now that I hope will hopefully do better. I'm hoping they'll just overspend on servers, or I don't know what the problem is. But uh, okay, so so back to the topic at hand, though. How how do you think this you know call it an indie developer avoids that sort of catastrophic failure under the circumstance that reviews don't just get pruned because they're bad? As an example, there's only one right? way. Um, it's in, I, I know the answer to this because I know the exact same answer for avoiding cancel culture. It's incredibly simple. Be perfect every day of your life. <laughs> if you're not perfect every day of your life, someone will find the day that you weren't perfect and then you're just and destroy you. Yeah. And, and I, th- I think there's a good conversation to have about cancel culture there too. I'm, I'm curious if, you know, part of the answer is just uh, when it comes to something like that launching, what about keeping it in alpha or beta status longer than you maybe would have otherwise? Like this, this isn't finished, so of course it's not going to be perfect yet. Yeah, that's is, is that a, enough, or does it get it's a reasonable ask? But you know, most in people, game developers have tried to use that for mm-hmm. for years. They, in fact, my favorite thing, if, because they're just preying on people who have no idea of how game development or software development works, and they're like. <laughs> This is pre-alpha footage, and then, it, and then it shows like the entire game. And I'm like, no, this is not pre-alpha footage. I have tested pre-alpha gameplay. You know what I saw? Blocks on a screen and like a button that you could press because we were trying to see if the button worked. That was pre-alpha <laughs> game footage, not the entirety of your Battlefield 2042 reveal. So, That's awesome. you know, people, they, they definitely leverage these techniques in order to try and uh, manage sort of the expectations a little bit, but even then, I, I see people all the time. Whenever a game's in in beta, or, or if you are lucky enough to get into a true alpha test, not pre-alpha, by the way, because an alpha test is a bare mm. minimum functionality. You get into one of those, people will still like. You'll get half the people who are like, "Remember, it's an alpha," and then there will be other people who will be like, "Remember the last time they said it was an alpha or a beta, and then it released in the mm, exact geez. same state." So it's just like, I don't know. I think that's overplayed too much now, Difficult, and people are sure. What about, uh, you know, in, along this line, what, what if the answer was, okay, so brigade, brigading aside, which I, I think we talked about this last time, but I think, I think there has to be a way, or at least there should be a strong attempt to make sure that everyone that's providing reviews actually played the damn thing, for instance, right? In that case, played the game versus, or bought the product, right? So only people that have actually done this thing should be able to provide feedback for the general community to consume. Now, there still might be a lot of negative reviews. Everybody on Reddit that went crazy may have actually played the game and may have crapped on it. But if you build like the ratings algorithm in such a way that it favors newer reviews over older reviews, no matter what, which means if quality goes down, bad things happen. If quality goes up, good things happen. Then 24 hours later, 
maybe you don't have 17,000 users. You got major uphill battle, but you had a catastrophic launch. That sucks. Then does it correct itself? It does it just take longer? It's a good question. It um, not overcomable. And, and it's important to not you know bury the lead here. The point of this entire mm-hmm. conversation is just the power of reviews and not necessarily yeah. the canceling part of it. But what 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 um, Steam has done is they have a overall review rating and then they have a recent review rating. So oh, that's cool. Of two. So that's overall, great. you might see a mixed, but then yeah. recent it'll say overwhelmingly positive. Right, and maybe that's because of DLC that got released, or or that they or fixed the server's patch, online play actually right. works now. Right. <laughs> so they, that's they cool. Do, yeah, they do have that with these with these so, with bigger games that can actually resurrect a game with small. Yeah, games, I bet. Yeah, especially with the brand very, recognition very stuff rare. like that. That makes yeah. sense. So, I, but I I guess and that's perfect, right? The the point here is that this watchdog group is saying Google and Amazon in particular have a terrible review fake review problem and they're not doing enough to fix it so it sounds like steam did some things to try to fix this whether it was addressing brigading or uh the double review so that you can kind of see you know recent but then never pruning the old stuff so the average review of the game just includes those hard knocks right at the beginning um they're they're basically saying google and amazon aren't doing that all they're doing is trying to keep those stars up to the point where people click through without right paying attention which means they get worse products or they get things that don't work. And Amazon's support is phenomenal. So it usually probably just works itself out and they make more money. And, uh, and, and I'm happy to see somebody at least trying to say, hey, try to make this better. Try to get rid of that stuff. And I hope they follow suit. But uh, obviously, Google and Amazon's response to this is basically, we, we already do that, right? I'm, I'm trying hard enough, man. <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. Okay, jump into another one because I know we talked about this, and this is kind of cool to see. The um, if you uh, I remember, I do not know what episode this is. I'm not even going to search one note and try to figure it out. But uh, the U.S. Supreme Court backed the cheerleader over um, yes. being kicked <laughs> off the sports team for for dropping an f bomb uh, out of school. So um, you know, if you rewind the clock a little bit, you remember what we said here. We we kind of all agreed that it's it's an overstep for the school to 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 go crazy. There we had some debate about whether or not like coaches and teams like that should have a little bit more say in their particular sport and that sort of thing. Long story short, short though, the Supreme Court said uh, pretty almost unanimously, so eight to one, that the school. Um, Attempting to control speech outside of school in any way is a First Amendment um, it goes against our First Amendment rights for free free speech, and that they they should not be able to regulate a student's speech outside. And they, I mean, they go all the way back to tying this to like it being the birth, you know, sort of the kindergarten of democracy and stuff like that, right? Like it is too important for students to be able to say what they want outside of school for school to do this and school's not really trying that hard to prevent speech. They're only doing it in certain places, which so, makes it even less. So to be clear when you're saying outside of school, cause that's what the whole conversation was about, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're trying to discipline somebody who was not on campus. Yep. Um, who not was at not a school in event. uniform, not at a school event, not anywhere. They were just saying something on the internet. I don't even know what she said. Right. Um, but it just comes down to where's the reach of the school. So you're saying, that the Supreme she Court said, ruled. She said F that, school and flipped off the camera and was talking. That's about right. There was button. gesturing. Okay. Gotcha. But regardless, the Supreme Court ruled that just saying something on the internet is not, it's outside the reach of the school, right? In terms of 
So we should, we should be very specific. So Tyler mentioned um, in any way. That's actually not true. That's true. That was too broad. Um, that tinker or whatever. The, well, the, uh, so if you actually went and looked on the school district's website, you would see them post a, I don't know what you would say, how happy they were with the ruling because they feel as though they won. The school so what, district? What, correct. So what actually happened here was two things. One, the instance of what the, I guess, ex-cheerleader, she's now in college, so this has mm-hmm. been going on for a while. 18. The, the cheerleader, um, that particular instance, they ruled in favor of the cheerleader. They said the school could not overreach in that instance. But they did not take away the school's ability to regulate what students can do or say 100% of the time away from school. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if, if someone were to make a threat towards the school or a, or a student, well, sure. a that's a good person point. Can, can. So they there was the reason why there is because there was a lot of confusion because the, especially since the school put out this big thing about how they'd won and it was a champion for being able to protect students or whatever. And so there's, there's all these things. So there's a little bit of both. But the, the school definitely didn't win their case. They lost their case, but they didn't lose the ability to, to regulate things off campus holistically. There are still scenarios. Yeah. They- well, and, and they specifically relied on, so one of the quotes from the ruling apparently is that uh, Levy, the teenager, did not identify the school in her post or target any member of the school community with vulgar or abusive language. So it was not directed enough right. for them to have something to say, which I, I think is that that's actually a really fair distinction, in my opinion, because if you're calling out an individual, obviously that crosses lots of thresholds. If you're calling out the school as an institution, the specific school, eh, there's a little bit of like, this is a public entity versus a private entity, but you, you can't just go around bad mouthing companies either under certain circumstances. So it's, um, it, it is interesting that they're drawing a fine line there. So you can, you can, you can't, you can't just regulate what, a student is saying outside of school, but if it's directed at the school, then there may be special circumstances or it could, could move differently. It kind of looks like that's based on precedent. There's a Tinker versus Des Moines independent school district, apparently, um, that there is, uh, indicates that schools have a special interest in regulating on-campus student speech that mater- material disrupt materially disrupts classwork or involves substantial disorder. Um, and I think that must have Basically, that's what the district was lining on, saying there's precedent for us to control speech. Uh, and they basically lost it because they're saying that what she did did not materially disrupt school activities. Yep. So it's, it's an interesting ruling. Um, it's probably the right one in both scenarios. I think so. There's definitely cases where it comes out. I, I don't like the school falsely representing that they won the case. All, all, all that really happened was, was that the Supreme Court was like, you lose, but, and it was basically what, what happened. So mm-hmm. uh, to move on, I know it's nine o'clock, but I did want to point out one more thing maybe before we go. And it's an interesting thing on AI, uh, meaning that, uh, so who, so the World Health Organization specifically, who uh, issued their first global report on artificial intelligence in health and six guiding principles for its design and use. So I think that's a, uh, it's probably a good thing. Um, I do like seeing sort of guidelines in general uh, around them. I can I can name a, a few of them, which is uh, protecting human autonomy, which I think in uh, 
in health is is probably pretty common for them to to try and protect. Uh, promoting human well-being and safety and the public interest, ensuring transparency, explainability, and this is a hard word: intelligibility. I'm going to go with intelligibility. That is what that's it's, it. Um, Nailed it. Yep. Able uh, to be understood. That's curious though, because that's a pretty, we've talked about that. That's a nebulous topic, right? Like intelligibility of AI, that's yep. non-trivial. Nope. I mean, they're not being easy on the idea of, you know, I'll just say fostering the growth of, of AI just in general. Uh, is this uh, actually speaking of fostering, fostering responsibility and accountability, ensuring inclusiveness and equity, which is definitely a, a very big thing in, in AI, which we've already seen, uh, and then promoting AI that is responsive and sustainable. Uh, so those are the guidelines that, that they've set out for, for AI and health, something that I think we're only going to see a significant amount more of. It's uh, good. I think guidelines are good. Decades. I think it's too early for regulation. We talked about that because uh, there's some of that in the EU saying you must do it this way or you can't do it that way. I think it's a little too young for, for that direct, but I think guiding principles and sort of trying to establish an ethical baseline is is arguably good for everybody. Yep. Um, I'm a huge fan just, of them. You can, you can ask any of my customers who've ever uh, taken any one of my different architectures that I've worked through over the years that I always explain to them up front what my guiding principles are for what I will eventually design. So I'm a big fan of, of, of what this is and just sort of them making sure that they're, they're thinking about this and they're, they're being involved. So I'm a fan. Good I want to hear more about Russ's guiding principles. Bro, I got them on PowerPoints. I got them in Word documents. Got them all over the place. Do it. Send me a copy. Sounds awesome. And on that note, that brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. Thank you all for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thanks for supporting us, coming on the show. And we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Cheers. Later. Booyah, Grandma.